Today we are here with Stephen. Stephen is here. Stephen is tired. Stephen has nothing witty to say for once. Stephen usually has witty things that he opens up these podcasts with, but Stephen is just happy to be here, a little sleepy. So, you know, the usual wit and whimsy that you've come to expect from your favorite khaki clad muggle might not be there, but the engaging interview skills will be. And Nicolette. Hi. Hello. I'm happy to be on my first podcast with you guys. Thanks for asking me to, to hop on here. Yeah, so a wild thing happened before we hit record, which is you told us that today, the day of recording, we're sometime in June, dates are a social construct, um, is the first time you've ever downloaded and or used Zoom. Now, for all the people listening, Nicolette is in the greater Orlando area. Orlando is in the United States. United States is... uh, the place where Zoom is headquartered and over the course of the pandemic um, ha- has been has become um, one of the largest consumer bases for the realization of Zoom. Of course, I mentioned there was a global pandemic. It's insane to me that somehow you escaped Zoom for like 17 months. That's wild. Yeah, I never really needed it. I mean, um, most of my family has iPhones, so we can just FaceTime. And um, if I had to group chat with anyone, I think FaceTime has group chat. We could use that or Instagram and the kind of job I work completely uh, doesn't need to at all use Zoom. So I never even really worked during the pandemic at home. I was furloughed the whole time. So I never had to download it. And even prior to that, I never had it downloaded. This was my first time. And I actually had to ask my fiance, like, how to use it, (laughs) what I do, because I had no idea. Well, you are doing great. So let's start off. Why don't you introduce yourself, your house, your Patronus, and your favorite character? Okay. Um, My house is Gryffindor. I've taken the test so many times over the years because I feel like I'm always having an identity crisis. And um, every single time I've gotten Gryffindor. So yeah, through and through Gryffindor. My Patronus is a Siberian cat which I think is very fitting for me. I definitely have some cat personality traits. And my favorite character, as cliche as I think it might be, is definitely Harry. Harry's my favorite. I don't think that's cliche. It's actually one of the characters we don't get as often. Well, no, 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 no. It's cliche. Let's be clear. On this podcast, where we tend to talk to all these super Potterheads who like to go counter to the cliche answer, You'll get my favorite character was Justin Finch Fletchy because, you know, like what I was always a big Eaton head growing up, right? Whatever it is. Harry is a cliche answer, but it doesn't make it a bad answer. Um, there's a reason that he's the protagonist, the main character, the one who we follow, right? There's a reason we don't follow Ernie, Ernie Mac, right? Like, come on. So, so I would love, and again, this is a no judgment zone unless we're talking about Dumbledore. Um, I'd love to hear why Harry is your favorite character. I think it just becomes, it's Harry is the one I feel like I relate to the most. Um, Aside from his just overall medium level ambition, um, he doesn't really have any serious strong interests or anything like that, which I totally feel like I could relate to as a kid growing up. I also just like his... um, how protective he is of the people around him and how serious he takes the relationships in his life. 
Uh, when I was younger, I saw a lot of myself in Harry and how he was socialized. You know, he didn't have any friends growing up. He didn't really get to do anything exciting with people. And it wasn't until he got to school that he really made friends and started to see the value in having people surround you. And so I kind of really relate to that. And also, I just love how sassy he is <laughs> for someone who didn't really have a lot of people around him. He, he ended up being real sassy. And I, I like that about him. He's, he's great. I mean, bravery, everything you could want in a Gryffindor. He's like awesome to me. So let's go back because you were just talking about when you were younger. Let's hear your Harry Potter origin story. Like, how did you find it? Did you find the books or the movies first? And what was that journey like? So I grew up in a very low income household. Um, my dad is a single father and I had one older sister at the time and we didn't have cable. We didn't have internet, nothing like that. So I was bored all the time, pretty much. And I saw the movies first. I saw the first and second movie first, and I really, really liked them. And I found the book Sorcerer's Stone in my sister's closet one day. And just because I was so bored, I decided to read it. And that kind of started it for me because I got the idea of kind of just existing through life, really, with no idea where you're going to go from here, just being bored, being alone, feeling like there was more to life for you and you're waiting for something to happen. Like I felt that as a kid. And so to see somebody like that go somewhere and discover all these magical abilities and make these incredible friends, like it felt like home to me. Like it felt like making friends. So I got so obsessed with the series from there and I got every movie for Christmas, all the books I pre-ordered and would do the whole like waiting at midnight thing at Walmart, Barnes and Noble. Um, yeah, it kind of took over my life for a while. And my family kind of knew me then as like the Harry Potter relative. <laughs> and that was my thing. Like I was named that aside from the other like fandoms I was obsessed with. Like I was always the Harry Potter one. They knew I was the one to go to for that. You know, it's funny. Well, given what I'm about to say, the word funny is going to sound weird for listeners, but it's funny. I was at a funeral the other day and one of my uncles said to me, I heard that my nephew stood outside on the street for the night to go to some Harry Potter store thing that I did. So yeah, I, I a hundred percent get that. Um, what are, are there like, so for me, for instance, I could vividly remember, even though the passage itself has no like deeper meaning in my life, I can like vividly recall reading a couple certain passages growing up, like where I was, like everything about it. Or I can put myself back in that, like on that bench that day in that room and have the book in my hands. Are there, do you have any memories like that of like very specifically, like, yeah, like I remember the first time I picked up Chamber or like I remember walking out of the movie theater after Goblet, like that sort of stuff. Oh, absolutely. I actually remember reading the books every single day when I came home from school. It was almost like if you remember the opening credits of Matilda, how she like makes her own breakfast herself and just does everything on her own. That's how it was for me. Nine years old, 10 years old. I, I came home from school, got off the bus, went inside and just did everything myself. I would cook dinner. I would you know, clean up after myself. And then I would sit at my dinner table and open the book and eat and read. And I did that with the first three or four books on my own. And then I remember making a friend in fourth grade 
who also was reading them at the same time as me. So her and I, during like reading time in class, would read um, Order of the Phoenix together. And I remember actually both of us reading about Sirius's death at the same time and both of us crying. <laughs> we were like 10 or 11 years old. And my teacher was like, are you guys okay? We were both like so emotionally messed up from Sirius's death. It was like, I remember that vividly. Like, actually, that was the first time a book ever made me cry. And I think like, even through all of that, I knew that like, I would never stop loving books. I'm curious, you know, as someone, you know, as we established, right, who's also been branded like, in the family as like the Potter relative, right? As that one. And certainly I personally, and we as a podcast have no judgment towards this because we are those people in our families. I think, you know, in my experience, it's very easy for that kind of, that, that tag to veer into almost like a judgmental, potentially like, why shouldn't she grow up kind of, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, as you've grown up and as you become an adult and come into your own, was that ever like something you had to deal with in your family or, or was it, no, this is like such an outlet for her and we love her and we're, we're here for all the love we're here to support and we're, you know, we're not here to judge. No, I don't think my family was ever judgmental about it. Um, oh, I think they nice. were, I think they were just happy that, um, you know, it was nothing like drugs. <laughs> like That's they were true. like, Oh, she could be doing stuff way worse. So they were so supportive. My family also is just like a bunch of geeks. They are huge into it. My grandma saw Star Wars like opening day in the theaters. Like they're big nerds. My uncle, he started me reading comic books. My family is the reason I'm so into like Lord of the Rings. But Harry Potter was always my thing. And so I think they never minded. They were always really supportive of it. And they always took me to see the movies and everything. None of them definitely like it on the level I do. But they're willing to like go along with it for the sake of engaging what I like to be a part of, which is pretty cool. I'll tell you what, I have five Harry Potter tattoos. I've got 29 different translated languages, editions of the books spanning probably like close to 400 books at this point. I, you know, go to the parks, I go to conventions, I do this podcast my mother thinks Dumbledore's name is Dusseldorf, thinks the school is Warthogs, thinks Hufflepuff <laughs> is, and I swear to God, Huffson stuff is how she says it. Um, so that must be nice to have a family who understands fandom and is uplifting and helpful and not unintentionally demeaning. Yeah, they're pretty great with that. And they try their best. I have like a, a reel on my page where you can see my mom trying to guess some of the characters from Harry Potter, like she has no idea what their names are or whatever, but you know, she'll sit with me and watch stuff and, and get totally moved by the scenes, even though she has no idea what's going on. Like she loves it. So it's great. Uh, and my, all of my family actually knows all the characters by now. Cause I've watched it so many times with them. I've taken them to universal and showed them around the parks and stuff. So they're not super into like this, this fine details, but they can hold their own in the movies and stuff. They can hold a conversation. It's actually been great. I've kind of transformed them into that. I like that a lot. My mom is aware of, well, she, she's watched the movies, but it took me until about two years ago. Mind you, I've been reading the books for over 20 years and it took me till two years ago. You are pretty old, Danny. That much we do know. Go away, Stephen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
But two years ago, I finally convinced her because she'd always talk about the movies. I'm like, you need to read the books. You need to read the books. And I got her to listen to the books. She hasn't read them, but she's listened to them all, which is like a huge step up. Because then she like had those moments of like, the martyrs? What is going on here? Like, this is what happened. I'm like, well, you would have listened to me years ago. So see, that's great. I've been trying to get my fiance to listen to them on audiobook since I met him. And he still hasn't done it. Because he loves the movies and he'll go to the parks with me and be like super into the conventions and the meetups that we have, but he's never read the books. And I keep trying to get him to at least listen to the audio because I know it'd be easier, but no, can't get him to do it. You need to turn it on when you're in the car together. I know, I know. I should. (laughs) Just start it every time you're in a car together. Oh, hey, here we go. I know, if only. So based on your Instagram, you are also a collector of items. Mm-hmm. Did that start at a younger young age or did that start more when you were older? And I know like some of us actually had paychecks to be able to <laughs> aid our collecting skills. Uh, no, it definitely was more recent. I, I honestly don't have a lot of stuff from when I was younger. Um, and that just came with moving around so much and being low income. I think I might only have like two or three things from when I was a kid. And that would be like my original copies of the books, um, a time turner I got when I was really young and this one blanket that I have. But I wouldn't say it started until I went to the celebration of Harry Potter in 2018 at Universal Orlando. And I'd never in my life seen something like that. So many people meeting for Harry Potter at one place. I had no idea. Um, And that kind of when I went into the one like Warner Brothers studio tour area they had when they had some parts from the tour and met Nina Lima that's when it was like it like dawned on me that wow you don't really have a lot of stuff from Harry Potter like what's going on so that kind of started my collection and my fiance at the time was collecting like Star Wars Funko Pops and so he would try he would buy me Harry Potter ones to like try to get me to start collecting them too and I would be like no no I don't want to collect them I don't want to collect them but now I have more than him (laughs) like I'm crazy about it Um, I've definitely like chilled out a little bit because I'm a big girl now and I've got to really budget and be better, but it's really been over the last four years that it's kind of like grown a lot. Danny, you know, what's coming next, right? What's coming next? Come on. If we're playing a game of word sneak, Nick, let just snuck it in. Mama, I'm a big girl now. It's <laughs> upon a time when I was just something, 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 teenage boy, something, 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 something. Have a cow. Mama, I'm a big girl now. Whoa. Yeah, anyway. I love the random words that you knew of that. I know more of it, but I definitely am susceptible to mashing different verses together um, than actually singing you know, the, the, the sequential lyrics. Anyhow, I'll go back on mute now. Don't mind me. <laughs> so what do you like to collect? Like, do you just like things that you enjoy or is there like, do you do just Funko Pops or just wands or just um. Gryffindor? I, it's all just things I enjoy. Um, it's not just Harry Potter things that I collect. It's just Harry Potter is my biggest collection by far. And I would say that's mostly because it's all Funko Pops, but I love to collect things that I know I'm going to keep forever. So especially things that are part of like home decor or they're like 
collectible items or um, they go well on my wall, like a gallery wall. I love things like that. I love artwork. I've got a lot of prints done by artists that I have followed forever and artists that I just kind of saw one day and thought their art was awesome. Those are like my favorite things. Uh, I do have a couple pins and stuff, but I've really slowed down on pin collecting because that is a whole other territory. <laughs> As I know you both know about um, pin collecting can get really out of hand. So I've kind of chilled out with that. But yeah, I mostly just collect things I know I'm going to keep. I keep all of my Harry Potter pops out of the box. I don't even really keep the box because I throw them out because, you know, I know I'm going to never going to sell them. So well, I'm going to skip right past singing a few of my favorite things from Sound of Music. Um, and instead, you said you like collecting things you know you're going to keep forever. You said you like artwork. I know that you have artwork that you are keeping forever because it is on yourself. Um, oh, yeah. See what I did there? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Harry Potter tattoo that. time. Um, <laughs> talk to us about the ink. I only have two Harry Potter tattoos. Um, yeah, the, the shoulder first, one that I love. Yeah, I've got a snow globe on my shoulder, and I got that one a couple of years ago. That was kind of like a spur of the moment kind of thing. I, I honestly don't know where it came from. I just was like feeling like I was new to Orlando, and I finally achieved my dream of living so close to Universal, and I just wanted to like get something to commemorate that. So I got that tattoo to celebrate. And then I also have a Hogwarts acceptance letter. Um, and that I actually got on Harry's birthday on July 31st in, I think, 2017. And that was like a group thing. Me and my fiance and then our two friends at the time all got Harry Potter tattoos that day together at a shop to celebrate that. And um, J.K. Rowling's birthday at the time. So it's more memory based. I think both of them are like celebrations for me of just really cool things that have come from being a fan of it. And yeah, I have a lot of other fandom tattoos. I want more Harry Potter tattoos. My sleeve's not finished. So I plan on getting more. This, Danny, when's this episode going out? Um, within the next few weeks. All right. So, listeners, I am jonesing for more Harry Potter tattoos. I also may get a Court of Thorns and Roses one, which would be a huge deviation from my stated intent of only ever getting Harry Potter tattoos, but that's neither here nor there. Point is, if you are listening to my dulcet tones on this podcast and you have serious, legitimate ideas for what I should get tattooed, come on, keep it keep it real. Uh, let us know. Hit us up at Creating Magic Podcast, of course, at Muggle and Khakis. Always smash the follow button if you're DMing me, otherwise I probably won't respond. You talked about celebrations of times in your life and places and events. Harry Potter, New York. Harry Potter, New York. What an experience. What an experience. I don't even know if I remember half of my experience there. I was so <laughs> deliriously tired. Like by the point I saw you, I was gone. Like I was like I was absolutely gone. There was And that was only 20 minutes into the store opening. Yeah, like lights <laughs> It was four, It was 14 hours and 50 minutes into my time in and around the store. Um, but yeah, at that point, the lights were on, but nobody was home. Um, like I know when we walked in, because we were like the first group in, they had Warner Brothers had their cameras there filming. And I have no idea how the hell they're going to put me in promotional videos. Because I, I mean, I had the mask on, so like they couldn't see like half my face, thankfully. Because I'm pretty sure I wasn't even smiling. I kind of was just like a zombie walking through the doors. 
Um, talk to me about your reactions, experience, thoughts, what you bought, you know, any and everything. So I wasn't even going to go originally because I'm going back to New York for New York Comic Con in October. And I told myself, oh, it wouldn't be the most smart thing to do financially since I'm already going to be there in October. But through peer pressure and fear of missing out, um, we honestly just decided to make a very irresponsible decision, book some tickets, book some hotels and go. And it was so worth it. Like, I will never forget that day. And my first reaction walking into the store was like how insanely detailed it felt and so different from Universal. Because this is my home park. I see Universal every single week. I know it like the back of my hand. And I was expecting it to just kind of be like a branch of that, like an echo of Universal. But it wasn't. It felt so different. And in the weirdest way to say it, it felt so New York. Like it felt very, the architecture of it reminded me of just the buildings around New York. And the design felt like something straight out of the studio tour. All of the uh, like ceramic sculptures they have of the creatures around the store were like the coolest parts. Like, could I buy those? Like I was standing outside the store, like, can I buy the Phoenix? Like, forget the house merch. Like, I want the ceramic Niffler. Like they had such cool stuff around the store. And it didn't even feel like a store to me. It felt honestly like a museum. Like I felt like I was walking through a museum with different parts dedicated to different aspects of the wizard world. And that's what was incredible is you can be in one room and feel like you're in, you know, the area with all the magical creatures, you're in the Forbidden Forest. And then the next room, you're like shopping in Honeydukes. And then the room below, you're like in the Slytherin common room. Like it was awesome how they did it like that. And it didn't feel anything like Universal. And I think that was my favorite part is leaving here and going there. It, it truly was worth it because I saw something different. Yeah, I agree. I co-sign on everything you just said. I think I have this really weird vision in my head. because I grew up going to New York City a lot because I grew up with family in and around the city. And I used to live in New Jersey at one point. So at one point I took a trip to like, um, I think it was like one of like the Polo Ralph Lauren stores, like one of their actual like New York, like original stores, not just like a department store. And it was like this very old New York vibe of like this tailored shopping experience where there was like a central room, but then every other room had like an alcove that led into it. And each of those separate rooms were incredibly distinct and separate. Um, and that's what this felt like. It felt like they were very intentional at respecting to me, what felt like the heritage of like old New York shops mm -hmm. and, and of course, blasting it with all of this Potter. I agree on all of the intricate detail. Like I, I think I said this on the podcast with Danny when we recorded again, by the time I got home from New York, I was really gone. Never mind being at in New York. So what I recorded on that episode is really lost in, in you know, lost from my, from my brain, but you know, those, those display caps above all of the merchandise where they had the typewriter and the scrolls, they had all of the books, with the Cornish pixies, you know, all Luna's lion had all, again, could I buy those? Like those were great. Those were, That's what if, I'm they, if they had like a bespoke kind of like interior design service where you could hire them to come in and like, you know, do a room for you or like that cabinet behind me, like, yeah, sign me up. I'll pay for that. That's what I'm saying. Like looking at some of that stuff, I'm like, wow, those are the kind of things if I could purchase, I know I keep forever. So immediately it like dinged a light in my head. Like, oh, I wish I could buy these things. So I'd never, ever get rid of them. Like they, they're, they look like 
pieces that belong in a museum. Like they came straight from the studio tour and which they did have actual replicas there from the movies too, which was so cool to me because I've never been to the studio tour. I've only ever seen the one Harry Potter tour they had that toured around the country. I saw that one time when I was younger. So it was cool for me to even just see like real pieces from the films just in plain sight. It was like incredible. And the fact that you don't even have to pay to see stuff like that. It's just there. (laughs) It's just there in the store. It was awesome. What was your favorite thing that you brought home from the store? Um, oh man, I, I want to say the time turner that I got from Pottery Barn Teen. Um, I know I could purchase that from the Pottery Barn Teen website, but I just never have. And the time turner is one of my favorite, like just items from the whole Wizarding World franchise. I love it. And so finally being able to buy that and bring it home was like so cool for me. I also really love the personalized Triwizard jerseys. That's something I've wanted since I saw Gobble Fire. And all of the group that went together, we all got one. And we all went to the park right after and did like a Triwizard photo shoot. So super, super fun. And we all got them embroidered. So I want to go back in October and get another one, like and for some of my family members too. Because I just think that's like the coolest, coolest thing to have as a Harry Potter fan. I thought the coolest thing I took home were the memories. Um, <laughs> you don't even you remember them. No, that's true. What I do remember, I enjoy. Um, you brought it up. So... Talk about the group you were with. Of course, there's one friend of the pod now, too, if we're counting you, which, of course, we do. So two friends of the pod in that group. Um, If Danny gets on booking some things, maybe we'll have more. Um, Talk to me about the group that you went up with. Yes. So I went with a big group of people from the Pottergram. I'm going to first shout out Johnny, who was the bad influence, who pretty much persuaded me into going anyway at the Collecting Wizard. That's Johnny. Um, and I went with Candace at the Wizarding Sibs, Carla at Geo Jammies, Hector at My Harry Potter Corner, and Millie at the Husky Witch. And uh, I actually had never even met Candace and Hector in person prior to this. So not only was this like a cool experience to go see something for the first time, it's with people I was meeting for the first time as well. So that was like really, really awesome. But we basically all realized we were going at the same time. And decided to just go all together. Like, why not? And it was awesome. I mean, we hung out the the day before. And then the morning of, we all got rained on waiting outside together. Um, We filmed like little segments for CNBC and for Peter's channel at the Potter Collector. um, And then did the whole store together, which was awesome. And then going to the park after and really just like reliving the whole day together through everyone else's memories and what they saw versus what you saw like such a cool feeling and the best part about it is that like I think at least three of them vlogged the whole thing so if I ever feel like I want to relive that experience again I can just watch one of their vlogs and it'll just like bring me right back to that day which is the coolest thing about having friends that do YouTube is like if you're not super into it you can at least have them to document it so it feels like you know you have that memory forever Danny we're about to put my level of shamelessness to a test. Do we want a creating magic exclusive story? Yeah, usually. Yeah. So it was raining, you know, around 9 a.m. As we're waiting in line, we just scanned the QR code. The rain's coming down. Let the rain fall down. Okay, it's coming down. And again, I had been there, as the listeners of this podcast know, for 14 hours at that point. Um, and I had had my fair share of caffeine in the morning, 
um, on a fairly empty stomach, mind you. And it's nine o'clock. It's like nine twenty-five, and I was like, uh, I literally just gave my backpack to the people I was in line with. I was like, I gotta go. Like, where are you going? Like, I just gotta go. We gotta get more caffeine. I was almost pooped pants and khakis waiting in line because <laughs> my stomach was not doing hot. And I basically sprinted in the rain away from the line at like 9:30 to go and find a Starbucks. And oh, it was rough. Let me tell you. Um oh my gosh, not these types of explosive stories. The time I almost pooped my khakis. <laughs> Uh, that would have been rough. And it yeah. would have been all over the internet because of the people you were surrounded by. One way to go viral, baby. That's true. You had the whole news team there, too. So imagine they captured that. Yeah. Yeah. I could have been in the Daily Mail. I could have been man in line who pooped his pants. Um, <laughs> but they'd add and be like, so excited. He couldn't hold it in. <laughs> Waited 14 hours. Oh, that was, yeah. Boy, oh boy. Anywho, I don't even know how to get us back on track here, Danny. So you've already mentioned that you are a fan of other things. What are some of those other fandoms that you do have? And do any of them compare to your love of Harry Potter? Uh, Yes, I have tons that I love. Probably my favorite fandom, to be honest, is Lord of the Rings. Um. I love Harry Potter and everything else, but Lord of the Rings takes first place, always has, always will. That's like one of those things that if I think about it long enough, I'll just get like super emotional and weird. Like (laughs) I could at any given moment think about Lord of the Rings and start crying. Like I love Lord of the Rings. That's my favorite. And Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter almost kind of go hand in hand because there's so many similarities. So a lot of people you find who are into Harry Potter also love Lord of the Rings. Um, I also really love Marvel. My uncle was super into reading Marvel comics when I was younger and he got me into them playing like the old school games and everything. So I'm super into Marvel. My fiance is really into Star Wars and kind of pushed that on me as I pushed Harry Potter on him. So over the last recent years, I've become a bit of a Star Wars fan. And then, um, a Court of Thorns and Roses, Stephen. I, I am also a huge fan of A Court of Thorns and Roses. That's like been my lace, my most recent book crave craziness. I, I love it. And Have I can't you read them for... all? Yes, I read them all. I read them all last year while I was furloughed. I hadn't picked up a book actually in over two years. And I just wanted to get back into reading and off of a friend's recommendation, picked it up. And man, did I devour that series. That was like, if you haven't read a book in a while, that's the series to pick up and get you back in there because I couldn't put it down. I read all of them that were out at the time within like two weeks. Well, it's funny you say that because I used to be a voracious reader. Um, Like that's like, that was my childhood was reading and, and all of that. And, you know, as an adult, life's just gotten in the way and I've just read less and less. And last year, when A Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes came out, it was the first time in a long time I was like genuinely excited to receive a book and read it. And I devoured the book and I was kind of like, eh. And it didn't really ignite any sort of passion for reading again. When I picked up 
the first book, A Court of Thorns and Roses, and read that. Now I just want to read any and everything I can get my hands on again. Like that, you're hundred percent right. Like the passion is there. It's back. Um, I'm halfway through silver flame. Um, so I gotta, I gotta finish that book before I can talk about it with be it you or Gerald or Rachel or, uh, Kayleen or really a lot of our friends. Um, but oh, it's good. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I haven't really seen anything such so high fantasy in a while. It's like the best part of it is I think I watched The Witcher and I had The Witcher stuck in my head, kind of like that whole being back into high fantasy. And I, that's what made me think, like, I really want to read a high fantasy book again because I forgot how much I love stuff like this. And then through Rachel's recommendation and Gerald's recommendation, I decided to read that one. And now I feel like I've recommended it to so many other people. I even have like a group chat, with like eight people where all we do is share like um, A Court of Thorns and Roses, like memes and TikToks and videos because it's just so good. And I can't wait for it to come to Hulu since it's becoming a Hulu show. That will be insane. And everybody else will be joining, joining the fandom now. Well, it's funny. I won't say specifically because the episode won't released yet. But on a future episode of Creating Magic Podcast, um, I may have planted the seed with a highly influential fandom event planner to look into reading and engaging with A Court of Thorns and Roses um, with a lens towards, I mean, look who the hell knows if it's going to go on a business plan or not, but potentially thinking about it as a future fandom to explore for event planning. There's your tease, listeners. Come back to Creating Magic Podcast every Thursday in your feed to eventually figure out who that is. <laughs> Why don't we do some potpourri Harry Potter questions now? Um, there are no wrong answers. There are some wrong answers, but, you know, there are no wrong answers. Um, first things first, I'm the realist. Um, first things first. Of all of the classes that are taught at Hogwarts, which in your mind is the most essential and which is the uh, least essential? Most essential? Probably charms. Um, I think if you're going to cast spells, your basic spell work would be good to know. <laughs> Just regular everyday charms would be the most useful. Probably the least essential, I would say, would be divination. Only because I feel like that's more of an elective and it's not really, it's it's like if you were to create it to human uh, astrology, it's not something that you need to know to be able to practice magic, but it could be useful and also just like something interesting. Yeah, it's funny. I've never much thought about the utility of divination because I think it's so easy to get hung up on the the lunacy and the 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 semi lucidity of Trelawney and all that stuff, right? And not actually think about the class itself. That's probably true. Although at the same time, you could maybe make an argument that like with the rise in holistic medicine and like general mental wellness and emotional well being in recent years in like you know, the modern world, you know, something like divination where you are studying the subconscious and, you know, interpreting essentially like tarot cards, right? Like that sort yeah. of stuff, like it could have its place. 
Hmm. Oh, oh, for sure. I definitely think. And I think if this were present day, that would be the class most people would choose. Mm. I think this generation professor. I don't know if people are choosing Trelawney. Oh, no, no, definitely not. But if they had a really good professor who was super, you know, serious about it and then tuned to it, I think a lot of people would find that, you know, really appealing because I feel like our generation loves um, astrology and and people, a lot of people I know actually practice tarot and read palms and all of that. And again, I don't really know how the whole space thing ties into it, but it's interesting. I would say it's one of the most interesting classes, at least. If you could add any class to Hogwarts, what would it be? Oh, that's a good question. That's a very good question. Um, Maybe like uh, adult magical living, <laughs> like, cause um, I think for us, I think a class I would like in muggle uh, high school is just like classes on how to be an adult. So maybe adult wizard living teaches you how to do your wizard taxes, um, how to like, you know, own wizard property, like things like that would be cool to see how people actually function as adults rather than just join either the Ministry of Magic staff or open a shop in Diagon Alley. Like what else can you do? How to make dinner. Yeah, like how to make dinner, how, you know, how to take care of your health as as a as a wizard rather than just go to drink a potion every time you're sick. Like what else can you do? That would be cool. Of the characters who were adapted from book to movie, um, who do you think is the most true to their book form? Ron. Uh, Definitely Ron, I think. Uh, I think um, Rupert Grint is fantastic as Ron. And and what he really portrays that is so accurate is Ron's just overall instincts, how fast they are. They're not really methodical. He doesn't think much into things. He's kind of just like jumps on his instincts. And he's really funny and lovable and, and super loyal. And I think he does a really great job of portraying the character. They also, you know, they cut everybody's lines out, obviously, because the books are huge and the movies only have so much time. But I still think they really capture his essence of like what it's like to be the youngest sibling in a giant family, you know, how he really wants to be seen and wants to be great, but doesn't feel adequate enough. I think you still get all of that from how they have him in the movies. So I would say Ron, for sure. If you were at Hogwarts, no matter which generation of characters, who would your friend group be? Wow. Um, Hagrid? (laughs) Can I say Hagrid? (laughs) Um, I'm not great at making friends, I'll be honest. That's just a fact. I I don't really... um, I'm not the best at like being super outgoing and going to meet people. I tend to be drawn towards, you know, in high school, I was super drawn towards the teachers. Like I would eat lunch with my teachers and, you know, hang out with them. So I feel like Hagrid probably because Hagrid doesn't judge you for who you are. And at that age, kids are mean. They can be. And I feel like that would intimidate me. So I would automatically go towards Hagrid, who I knew would be nice to me no matter what. Bake me some rock cakes let me hang out with all those creatures. Yeah, it'd probably be Hagrid. Star Wars has come up with all this new content. Mm-hmm. If you could pick 
any Some of which I have to say, Bad Batch is incredible. I'm loving it. It's fun. The way that Omega talks, I we've discussed this with Russell. I will never I, every I'll be talking to myself about the series because I talk to myself. Of course I do. I say things like and uh, Omega and I, like wait, oh good God. Anywho, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> what content out of the entire wizarding world would you be interested in seeing? Um, I think I'd have to jump on the bandwagon and say the Marauders. I mean, I think we're all just dying for that. There's so much there that can be explored and so much that we all want to see. I mean, we all want to see what happened the first time Voldemort came and, and, you know, tried to take over pretty much the, the entire world. And that's something that has a lot of potential. And I would love to see that because we already love some of the characters, but to go back and see them younger I think that the nostalgia of that would bring all the fans who are older now uh, back and feel like we're starting all over again. And it would also bring in new fans. It's kind of like when they did the prequels for Star Wars, if we're going that way, you know, all of the characters that were in the originals, you can see some of them younger. And that's like super exciting. So definitely the Marauders, I would love to see. I would also love to see just another wizarding school, like another perspective. Like in Fantastic Beasts, we don't see anything of um Ilvermorny. Like we're given the name, we're given the uniforms, we're given the houses, but like we don't know anything else. Like what the hell is that about? So as an American, like hello, I would love to see more of that. Like I would love to see a whole trilogy of that, honestly, to be so cool, especially set back in time too. Like, you know, early 1900s would be really awesome. So I think that's just it is right now I have next to no interest in seeing anything about Elvermorny, particularly if they try to jam it into Fantastic Beasts. If they were to go do a whole separate series, not dissimilar to the original Potter, but maybe in more of like a long form, you know, HBO kind of thing. Um, and they can even remove like, obviously like the dramatic plot of Potter and just make it like a story about kids at a boarding school. Like not like not dissimilar to like the in-betweeners or you know, dairy girls or a lot of these very traditional kind of British school shows that I personally love. I'd be here for that. I, I would watch that. I would enjoy it. But if they try to jam it in to Fantastic Beasts, I just I'm not here. I, I have no appetite for that. Oh um, no. I actually kind of feel like the Fantastic Beast franchise is like a little cursed at this point. So I would prefer them to not do it there. Like, let's forget it was ever introduced there and just do something completely different because I don't really have any desire to see Fantastic Beasts from here on out, but I would love a completely original Ilvermorny idea. That would be pretty awesome. Well, to quote the playwright Matt Cox from Puffs, um, Fantastic Beasts is cursed. It is a cursed child, parts one and two. Now on Broadway. <laughs> I even think I might enjoy The Cursed Child more. Like, I'd rather see that in theaters again than uh, Fantastic Beasts. That's just, I don't know where they're going with it. I'll still watch it for the sake of it, but I'm, I'm just not, you know, ex- as excited as I would be for something else. 
So why don't we head into some creator shout outs? All right. Um, first, I want to shout out my Pottergram bestie <laughs> who shouted me out when he was on here and made sure to send me the clip of him shouting me out. So I knew. <laughs> so I'll go ahead and mention Johnny at the Collecting Wizard. Johnny is, aside from being just an all around awesome content creator, like one of my best friends in the community, he's super outgoing um, and just has such a pure love for the fandom and showing everybody how much he loves the fandom. So definitely Johnny. Also, everybody else I went to Harry Potter New York with, Carla, Millie, Hector, and Candace. And then also my sweet friend Shauna at Shauna's Magical World, who was the first person I ever followed on the Pottergram and is still one of my closest friends. I would definitely love to shout out Shauna. Steven, do you have your shout outs? Oh, I just did, but then I was looking at people Nicolette mentioned and dang it, hang on. Give me like five seconds. Here we go. So I have three because of course I do things in threes here. Um, First is Magic CC will blow your mind. Uh, CC, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is a French Gryffindor um, cosplayer. A lot of cool photos on the gram. A lot of really cool uh, I don't even think these are edits. I think these are just some really cool places that she seems to go. Um, so shouts to you. Really cool stuff. Second goes to Butterbeer Break, a magizoologist, artist, hobbit at heart. Um, tons of really cool bow truckle, niffler, etc. Uh, content on the gram. Love that. And third and finally goes to Magical Mama and Sons. This is Kat, who is a Gryffindor mother to a Slytherin and a Hufflepuff married to a Ravenclaw. Just tons of really cool photos in and around the parks, their collection at home, the children, you know, the cute kids thing, blah, blah, blah. Danny, we should get these people on the podcast. This seems like a a cool episode. Um, I see, A, you're making a face, but B... Um, you've already liked some of their photos, so I'm kind of guessing you, you might have already reached out. Um, regardless, as someone who doesn't put any effort into the operation of this podcast, I think you should reach out because they seem cool. Will do. So my shout out this week is Barking Hollows. They are an Etsy shop that makes signs like for home decor and they have some really cute stuff they have a really cute hobbit hole sign but they have a lot of harry potter signs which are all approved by their dogs so go follow barking hollows and then before we wrap up nicolette how about you shout out where everyone can find you so you guys can find me on instagram at whimsically nicolette i'm also on tiktok at whimsically nicolette on Twitter, I want to say strictly because character, I have a very long name. <laughs> and then hopefully, hopefully this year, fingers crossed, you'll be able to find me on YouTube at Whimsically Nicolette if all goes as planned. You just buried the damn lead like an hour into the podcast. <laughs> um, well, that's exciting. Looking forward to that. I'm not even going to ask you about it because we'll just have you back when you launch it. We can talk about it then. Oh, um, thank you. Well, this was fun. It was a pleasure seeing you when I'm at like semi awake. Um, still debatably awake, but more so now than I was on June, what was that, third? Um, that sound right? That sounds yes. right. 
um, right. days are social constructs. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on and we'll have you back real soon. Thanks for having me. And if you guys ever come to Universal, you know, I live here. So just let me know and I'll meet you up with you. Have some Danny, Danny lives like an hour and a half away. She claims it's like an 10 hour. minutes, but it's really like an hour. It's an hour 17 without traffic. I've looked it up. Don't even Google does not lie. If I know if I know anything about Google is that it has never once lied to someone. It's an hour and 17 door to door without traffic. You're like 74 years old. So the way that you drive, it's probably gonna be like an hour 34 at least. (laughs) So anywho, that's all to say that Danny's close by and she'll gladly hang out with you. I am a lot further, but of course, when I am down there, you know that I will not leave the state of Florida without hitting you up. End of episode. Now, this is the point. I'm going to bed. So I'm going to come up with another clever idea to get us killed. What? Expelled.